Do you have days when you feel like you're losing your mind? I'm going to tell you that you probably are not, and I'm going to tell you why in just a few moments. And I hope you'll stay with me. I think this is an important telecast because I want you to know that you probably are not going out of your mind. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Finding and knowing God is a faith walk. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our hope lies in the coming Messiah, who will establish God's peaceful kingdom on earth. This is Faith Walk with Ron Susek. Dr. Ron is an evangelist committed to encourage and equip your faith walk as we pass through these turbulent end-time days, awaiting that soon-coming kingdom. You ever feel like you're losing your mind? No, 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 I'm serious. Uh, it's a serious question. Or you, are you shy about, about nodding? Have you ever felt like, am I losing my mind? I'm forgetting things? Where did I put the keys? Why did I put the milk in the microwave? What in the world is going on? Listen. My wife and I have a friend who has been to our home dozens and dozens of times. Some months ago, we were having some kind of an event at our home, and she was invited. And she called, and she said, I can't find your house. She was 15 miles in the wrong direction. We had her go to a certain drugstore, and I went out in a car to meet her to bring her to our home. And she said, I think I'm losing my mind. I know there are mental diseases, but can I tell you I am convinced they are minimal? I'll tell you what's happening to you. You are not going, you're not losing your mind. I want to pound this into you. You're not losing your mind. You were born a creature of routine. Lock that in your mind. This is key. I learned this years ago when I was writing a book on Ernst Vater's life. And in the book is a story of his daughter, who was a missionary. And she was in a home with other missionaries. And during the night, war broke out. And two miles away in the city, they were bombing the city. And in the morning, there's no water, no electricity, nothing. It's all over. And she was smart. She immediately gave every missionary specific assignments. Why? Because if you take away order and routine, you start forgetting. Where did I put this? Where do I do? What, why do I do that? Think of how, did you walk into your motel room when you arrived here, put everything where you wanted it, went to a meeting and went back and knew where everything was? No, you didn't. You went back and said, where, where, what? Come on. Under the bed, what do you? We are creatures of routine. That's how God designed us. God is an ordered God we saw this week. Life is to be ordered. Marriage is ordered. Family is ordered. And all of that, now the world has torpedoed that. They hate that. But the fact of the matter is, in torpedoing it and hating it, they are destroying themselves. 
Women are no longer women. They don't think like women. They want to think like men. Men are surrendering and no longer men because they're afraid they're going to be called something. And we are constantly uh, torpedoing the order of God. And when we fall into that order, because we love God, life changes. Your mind will clear up again. Think of what you're dealing with. America has turned from helping citizens to using you. That's a shock. That's not, that's not the America that you grew up in. We're in a different America. You and I lived through the golden years of America. Friends, they are gone. And I personally am not sure they're coming back simply because of our eschatology. They may come back by a great revival. I personally don't see that happening. I think that we're in the birth pangs of the end. And this nation will go down with all the nations of the world because every single nation is going to be crushed by the, the king of the nations, God himself. So let's, let's not get lost in trying to guess what's going to happen. We're just going to have to watch. But here, we have become a culture of death. Why? Because some imbecile a hundred years ago wrote a book saying that planet Earth can only sustain 3 billion people. We're now up to 8 billion. So now science and medicine and, and politicians are trying to reduce 5 billion people off of the planet through abortion, through a disease, you name it, they'll use it. Let me give you an illustration that's very close to our home. My brother-in-law has COPD, a very pretty serious case of it. And he caught COVID and was in the hospital very close to death. He called our home and said, Ron, would you and Diane and my son come in and give me the right to die? Now he's whispering. He couldn't even lift his head off the pillow. I said, we'll be there. Hung up. Went in the next morning alone. I said, I want to go in alone, Diane. She said, okay. I went over to his bed, and he's lying on his side. He couldn't even look up. He was so weak. He was so far gone. He was inches from death. I said, buddy, I prayed until 1.30 this morning. I don't think you've written your last song. I want you to fight. The moment I said the word fight, a doctor's assistant, a young lady, came bursting through the door, walked by me like I was a manure pile stood beside him and in a very condescending, sharp tone said, the hospital wants to know, do you want comfort care or do you want to fight? The moment she said it, I knew she heard me. You know what comfort care is, don't you? We'll help you die. He struggled to lift his head a little bit and he whispered, I want to fight. You know what she said? You know, horribly evil tone. Are you sure? Just like that. I wanted to take her and escort her out of that room. And as far gone as he was, they immediately prepared to get him out of the hospital. We took him home. It's a year and a half now. He's still alive. He still reads his devotions every morning. He's praying for you this morning. 
We are living in a culture of death worldwide. Satan is having a heyday. Yes, that's going to scramble our minds, isn't it? It's putting pressures on us we, we didn't know for many decades. Think about the pressure now trying to unravel all the glorious things God did in race relations over the decades. With the Battle of Gettysburg, where whites were fighting for the lives of blacks, with Martin Luther King, who gave a tremendous impetus and message, and, be and respect began to develop, and now they're tearing it apart. That's going to affect your mind. It's on the back of your mind constantly. Confusion about sexual identity. Are you a man? Are you a woman? Are you an it? Are you a plant? Are you a dog? Are you a cat? And this is coming at you every day by television. AI, artificial intelligence. You're not smart enough. Now this machine is going to become your god and tell you right and wrong. Boy, we got a wing ding now, and if I, I'm a, a fan of um, Tucker Carlson. But if I ever meet him, I'm going to tell him, get off the alien kick. That's the dumbest thing you've ever thought of in your life. They're, de they're demons playing head games. They're not aliens. All of life is changing on us. The church is mocked and... We also have become very weakened as a church, radically divided, radically competitive. We have crime today that is being honored, and we have very foolish people, even dumb people, being lifted into high offices. By the way, that happened in the Old Testament too. It's not really new. But now it's very focused and very concentrated. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Well, let me, let me back up and tell you. My wife and I, you know, I, I'm a Fox News nut. But there comes a point after one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours of the same thing chewed over. I say to my wife, oh, you know what? I'm so tired of hearing the real things that are going on in the streets of our cities. Let's watch Gunsmoke and watch Matt Dillon kill people. <laughs> At least the right guy wins. You know what I mean? Matt Dillon is my man. My point is this. You go to bed every night with a brain that's been in an egg beater all day. You're not losing your mind. You're up against an invasion of constant change and change that you know instinctively is not good. And now you're thinking, this is going to torpedo my children and my grandchildren. This is what you'd go to bed with on your mind. By the way, why am I bringing this up today, Bill? Because of your title, there's only one thing to stabilize your mind and mine. Anchored in the rock that is higher than us. Anchored in the sovereignty of Jesus Christ. Anchored in the sovereignty of our Heavenly Father, who guaranteed us this is coming to an end. 
And what did Jesus say when he said these things are coming? Two words. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. I, say it with me, have overcome the world. That's what will stabilize your mind. That's when you'll stop putting the milk in the microwave. That's when you'll not put your car keys in the refrigerator. That's when you'll remember where you put your socks. I'm telling you, you're not losing your mind. Your mind is scrambling to keep up with ever-present, day-by-day change, flying in your face, and change that is not to the good. So don't be afraid of what's happening to your mind. It's normal quite normal. I, like I said, I understand there are diseases, but they are rare because we have a whole generation that's facing it. And by the way, don't think that the young people are exempt. They are becoming a dangerously illogical, scatter-minded set of people. Why? Because, as I think I mentioned the other night, when your grandchild is in the second year of college, Everything he learned by the time he graduates is antiquated. And he's got to start all over again. That's the world we live in. That's the world the Bible predicts. And that's the world I want you to think about as we come to Psalm 110 one more time. Psalm 110. And this really, really gets exciting. Psalm 110. And verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That is who you are tied into in your Savior. The king that will reign forever and ever When he brings this madness to an end, you will be that do, that army of love that builds a whole new kingdom of God civilization. That's where the world is heading. Climate change? Stupid. You want to talk about climate change? Boy, this thing is really a winner on my ear. Just as I'm getting into it, you know, my ear's caught. You want to talk about climate change, read 2 Peter chapter 3. It's not a fraction of a degree and the ocean coming up a quarter of an inch. The heavens will dissolve in fervent heat. Like that. There is a climate change coming. It's going to be sudden When God burns the works of man, it's not going to be gradual. It's going to be wiped out and a new beginning. And that's where you are ushered into that new beginning to reign with Jesus Christ. A kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of holiness, where these things are not mocked on late night comedy. These things are honored and upheld. Look at this verse. This is incredible. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest, Lord Jesus Christ, forever 
After the order of Melchizedek, who had no beginning or end, the Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. That, that seventh verse is a beautiful verse. If a soldier is running in the heat of battle, he's sweating profusely. He's carrying a rifle and a backpack. He's concerned about the enemy, where that enemy is. And he sees a brook. He swoops up water to refresh himself to keep running into the battle. That's the picture you have here. Jesus Christ coming to the world, scooping up the refreshment. And maybe that refreshment is the glorious dew of the church. As he holds his head high going into the battle to bring the madness you live with every day to an absolute end. You know who else experienced this? King David. Come over here with me to Psalm chapter, uh, let me see what it is here, 61. Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, David prayed in a time of desperation, similar to ours. Listen to my prayer. For the end of the earth, I, from the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. That is where you will stabilize your mind and your heart. God has called me into a ministry that I did not look for or invite, but I have no choice. I know that the hand of God is on me. I cannot turn back. I got some bad news last night when I went to my room. An individual who now, in another country, is attacking me as a person, telling lies. That was not a comfortable thing to go to sleep with. But I was thinking about this morning's message. He won't win. He can't win. He's making a fatal mistake. My point is this. I'm moving into something that is far beyond my capabilities. It's, it's humanly impossible. Let me just give you a real quick scenario why. I want to get, I'll get you out of here. How are we doing? Do we have another half hour? Five minutes, right? Okay, I'll keep going, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk fast. Can you keep on them? <laughs> Here's what we're dealing with. You've, you've been learning about the Assyrian people by bits and pieces, but understand that what we're moving into for Jesus Christ to bring those three nations together, to worship together, which means they will finally be one heart, one mind, one spirit with one God. Think of that miracle. The blindfold has to come off of Israel. The injustice of Egypt has to be broken because Egypt was once 90% Christian, 10% Muslim 2,000 years ago. Today, it's 90% Muslim and 10% Christian. And the Christians are really suffering in Egypt underneath. You don't read about it. I'm telling you, 
I get the reports. They're dying every day. Their homes are robbed and burned. Their daughters walking to school are abducted and disappear. That's going on in Egypt as you sit here now. We go to Iraq, and there are three layers of people and government. The top layer are the Arabs, Muslim Arabs in Baghdad. They are the head of the nation. Under them are the nomads, a non-nation nomadic people called the Kurds. You've heard of them. The Kurds are not a nation, but Iraq could not govern them, so they gave them the right of self-governance. They're not a nation, but they have self-governance. At the bottom of the heap are the remaining Assyrians, your brothers and sisters in Christ, who are the people of the prophecy. They are being choked by the Kurds, literally. They will put pressure on them until they just have to leave. And already, three million have left. They're scattered around the world. America, Australia, Sweden, Germany, they're, Brazil, they're all around the world. Now, for this prophecy to be fulfilled, number one, we've got to help the Assyrians come together because they are divided five ways between themselves to get them back on the same page under Jesus Christ. Then to believe God to get the blindfold off of Israel and to bring healing to Egypt, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about moving towards a global summit between these three nations that we are praying to see come to pass in the next two or three years. Why? Please hear me, because the church has made a fatal mistake in our dispensational thinking. Remember I said the other night, I'm a dispensationalist, but don't get too rigid with your timeline. Here's why. I know many Christians who will not read the Old Testament because they say, that's law, we're New Testament. Sorry, you don't understand the New Testament if you don't know the Old Testament. I have other friends who say, I don't want to read the book of Revelation. I'm just waiting on the rapture. Who cares what happens after the rapture? I care. You care. The Spirit of God cares. And you and I are getting the world ready for the great evangelism during the tribulation. We may not be here to do it, but we're putting sermons in the sky. We're doing everything we can to get the truth enveloped around the world. That's what it's about. Ah, uh, my friend, I think that the time has come. I can't proof text this biblically, but the more I study and the more God draws me into this, the more I think. What we're doing is what John the Baptist did. I'm saying we. I'm not the hero. I'm just one of the players. John the Baptist paved the way for the Savior. Can you, can you think? Can you imagine what must have been in his mind to see a man walking behind a crowd that he's baptizing and speaking to and all of a sudden be able to say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the announcement of the millennia. Why aren't we paving the way to the coming of Christ 
Didn't he teach us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and work to that coming of that kingdom? That's what this is about. And my friend, here's the glory. You and I are what they call older people. Fine. You know what Samuel did when he retired? He went to, he went to Hawaii. Yeah, he wore short pants out on the beach. He laid in the sun. He basked, sipped orange juice. No, what did he say? I will pray for you. Let me tell you something. Your prayers are infinitely more powerful than my preaching. Prayer is aligning ourselves with the will and the mind of God. God ordained it this way. God ordained that his plans in heaven that are already complete in heaven, the kingdom is already complete in heaven. It's our work to be his instruments on earth, praying and working to build that kingdom to come to earth. That's what Jesus gave us in the charge when he said, pray this way, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it's already done in heaven. Do you see how high your role is? Is this clearing your head up now? Is this giving you a whole new sense of purpose? Retirement? Granddad running here to carry junk here and take junk there and do this and do that? No, knock it off. This is your time to come to the front line of battle. This is your time to become filled with purpose. And you're going to war in the mighty power of prayer for your family and for the coming of the kingdom of God. Father, help us to really, really rethink our lives, the things we allow into our mind to rattle our nerves, the things that we need to set aside and spend hours and hours before you, knowing that we are effectively changing the world by the power of your Holy Spirit and paving the way for the coming of your glorious Son, in whose name we pray in absolute victory. Amen. Now, Dr. Ron has been talking to us about the end-time days and wants us to prepare for the coming kingdom. And he has written a book titled, The Assyrian Prophecy, that is a missing part of the end times puzzle. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Write, for these words are true and faithful. The world is not ending. God is preparing a new world soon to begin. An ancient nation thought lost to extinction is soon to rise anew to prepare for that day. Isaiah identified this nation in a prophecy that has been hidden in plain sight for some 2,700 years. Its name is Assyria. My new book, The Assyrian Prophecy, reveals how Assyria will join with Israel and Egypt to bless the world under the soon-coming Messiah. Amid today's chaos, God is searching for righteous people through whom he will bring the prophecy to completion. When you reach the end of this book, one question will be in your mind. 
Lord, what would you have me to do? You can learn more at theassyrianproject.org. You may never know until heaven whose lives you've impacted somewhere around the world. So please accept and enjoy your copy of The Assyrian Prophecy as our personal thank you for standing with us at Faith Walk. Well, thanks for being with us today. And we hope you'll join us again next week as we find courage for the journey in our Faith Walk.